This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome to Screen Talk. I'm Dan Clark. Thank you for tuning in or downloading. If you do download this show, by the way, please tell your friends about the show. Get them to tune in to foobarradio.com on Fridays at 12. Or please, you know, tell them about the podcast on, on iTunes or wherever. And rate the show and, you know, spread the word. Just a little reminder. Some people wonder why, if you've listened to this as a podcast, we introduce a song and then you don't hear it. Well, as a podcast, we don't have the rights to all the the songs we get but if you want to hear the show in its entirety with all the music Fridays at 12 o'clock so I'm going to crack straight on we've got a great show today we've got a brilliant guest someone that I share a lot of friends with but yet we've never met before so I'm looking forward to talking to him his name is Tom Riley he's currently in the BBC comedy Ill Behaviour which uh, Sam Bain of the Peep Show Writers fame wrote it's a a great show a dark comedy I urge you to see that I think it's on uh, iPlayer and on BBC2 but first of all let's introduce back it's finally a regular thing mr (laughs) james gill everybody who is going to tell us all about how dark times have got for cinema hopefully there'll be some positivity in this james hello Dan, it's wonderful to see you. Thank, Thank you, you, my friend. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you, having me. You Before we launch ever. into this <laughs> abyss. <laughs> Tell me, what's happened? Well, so regular listeners will yeah. know that you and I have talked about this before, and last year we... I'm not saying that we plotted the death of cinema, but we certainly... We definitely didn't plot it. I'm, I'm all in favour of trying to get it back. We certainly licked our finger, pop, popped it in the air to see which way the wind was blowing, yeah. and it would appear, I don't want to sound smug, but we called it, we were correct, in yeah. that numbers are dwindling. And unless you have, say, a a Bond movie, a superhero movie, a movie that involves Vin Diesel and fast cars, you may well be struggling when it comes to the box office. And lo and behold, this summer, gross box office receipts are down 13% on last year, which I'm no Carol Vorderman, but that's a lot of money. And so what is possibly going to happen is that the window from cinema to home ends or video on demand that window is potentially going to get smaller and smaller. So well, a lot of the studios are in favour of the window getting smaller and smaller. So a film comes out of the cinema, and then within a matter of weeks, you can watch it at home. You'll be paying more money, probably you know, maybe 20, 30, 40 pounds, but that could well be the option. Nearly all the studios are in favour, apart from Disney, and if you look at the highest grossing movies of recent years, you will see why Disney are not in favour of it, because they are hoovering up. That's also because they own several other studios, like they own Marvel and they own Pixar and they own, I don't know who else, there's like they ABC Television, they own, Absolutely. So they're, they're, I mean they own a th- Probably a third of the entertainment business, right? Absolutely. And on top of that, they're remaking their own movies. They're, yeah. they're remaking, again, something that we talked about in the past. They're, they're, just, they're just raiding their back catalogue because they print money. The highest grossing movie worldwide so far this year, by some distance, is Beauty and the Beast. Really? It is, yeah. Oh, that's surprising. What's the theory for having the window between cinema release and home video on demand or whatever being short? I would have thought if if people thought, oh, I can't see that film for another six months, you might be more inclined to go and see it at the cinema. But there must be, I, I'm obviously just a guy. I, I there, think what's there's lots of experts there that have got theories. So I'm, I'm not saying I'm right and they're all wrong. But How often do you hear this from friends these days? It's something that you didn't used to hear. What was the film like? wait for it to come out on DVD or 
wait for it to come out on Google Play. There's so many movies now that if it's if it doesn't have the epic cinematography, if it doesn't have the explosions, if it doesn't have that let's be honest, that huge big screen feel, you're probably going to wait for it to come on DVD or the digital equivalent. And that's the problem. There is a knight in shining armour and his name is Christopher Nolan. And as long as he's around, he will be doing everything in his power to ensure that you still go to the cinema. But I mean, it's almost like one guy fighting the tide. Yeah, well, he's very, very passionate about cinema, theatres, film, you know, celluloid. He's very old school. And generally speaking, I would compare the cinema's and the movie studios a little bit to black cabs and also Uber. print media in so much as that people were warning them of the dangers for years yeah. and they were too resistant to change and now here we are having this conversation with but, video on demand looming. But the thing is, is it didn't get destroyed overnight like the music business did. You know, people have had a long time. They, they they've saw had the so mu- long. Yeah, they've had so long to work this out. In a nutshell, too many movies aren't quite good enough. If you and your missus want to go to the... Sorry for saying missus, it's just, it's just how I speak. If you and your missus want to go to the cinema and you get nachos, popcorn and a drink, you're not getting any change out of 40 quid. If you whack a babysitter on top of that, you might be talking the best part of £100. And if a film's not... I get it, I get it. if a film isn't absolutely sensational, you're not going to do it. I I, I can't say what film it was because I'm embargoed, but I saw a film the other night that is very hotly tipped and it's just not quite good enough to justify people spending all that money to go to the cinema. And, And instead, they will wait for that film to come on to Sky Store or Netflix or or what have you. I just, I've probably said this before, but I just worry that what's happening, and as much as I love Netflix and Amazon Prime and all these things, I love having all that stuff at at my fingertips, but I feel like films are going the way of music, which is that it becomes this disposable art form where you go, eh, I've watched 10 minutes, no, I'll try something So else. true, 100%. Eh, I'm not into this. You don't give something the chance it should have. Sure, it does make the memory of driving all the way to a video shop, hiring something, a film for three ninety nine, taking it home, watching it and not being into it. It does seem like, really, we put up with that? But at the same time, you also watch things to the end. You kind of maybe enjoyed things a bit more because you're not doing so much but, you know, by the comparison. By the way, I agree 100%. Nothing beats the feeling of going to the cinema. And when you're at the cinema, Brett Goldstein, our friend, will back me up on this. I have to sit on the front row because I feel like I'm in the movie. You don't get that watching a film no. on your phone on a train. Even like indie films that don't have special effects, I'm like, I, I like the communal experience. Not too but, busy. But there I don't are, like sold out cinema. There <laughs> I might disagree a little bit. Too often in recent weeks and months, and I love the cinema, and I've gone pretty much since birth. My grandparents took me every single week. I say that with no exaggeration. I've seen some terrible movies at the cinema. But too often recently, I've seen something on the big screen, and I've thought, that could have waited. That yeah, could have worked. And, okay. and it breaks my heart to say that. Well, look, the good news, the silver lining. Well, I don't know if it's a silver lining, but maybe it's just a freak accident. But I, I would say the good this, news is that film studios, I think, really have to pull their socks up. Well, yeah. And but, I think they know this, that movies have to be really, really good. But this summer, well, there's hope you'd like to think. But this summer, there were three films, varying degrees of success in t- financially, yes. that were successful. And they are Dunkirk. Baby Driver and The Big Sick. Now, obviously, The Big Sick, tiny compared to Dunkirk, but they were all films that made a profit, that people went into the cinema to see, and I guess unless you say that Dunkirk is (laughs) pre-existing IP because we've all heard of Dunkirk, (laughs) they're all original films, original screenplays. I use screenplay in the loosest term with Dunkirk, just because there's very little dialogue. I I agree. Um, They're original ideas that... 
people actually went to see. You know, the, regardless of what you or I or anyone thinks of those three films, people went to see them and liked them. And it, first of all, I thought that hasn't happened in a summer blockbuster season in a long time. But then I thought, oh, maybe that's because all the other ones were so bad. There've been some. I mean, there've been some pretty dire blockbusters yeah. in, in not just this year, but, but in let's stay positive, James. But I was going to say, the big sick almost reminded me in a way of the Blair Witch Project. Now, before you spit your coffee out at that comment, the Blair Witch Project was so cleverly marketed and it felt that everyone was talking about it and it was a film that you felt you had to go see on the big screen. And The Big Sick had such a beautiful, positive word of mouth. It was a real word of mouth hit. And the way it was marketed... All right, they did it over Twitter, whereas Blair Witch was friends chatting in the street. Didn't feel like they'd spent tens or hundreds of millions on the advertising. It was the quality of the product, and you felt, as with Blair Witch all those years ago, you felt that if you didn't see that film on the big screen, you were missing out on something. Yeah. But again, that comes back to our point. The Big Sick did well because it's a really good movie, and people and people loved it and cared about it. Yeah, yeah. Dunkirk, if you didn't see that on the big screen, done yourself a disservice. So you, you're a, you're a big thumbs up for Dunkirk. Oh, I, aren't you? I mean, if Christopher Nolan asked me to be an extra in one of his movies I would I'd be his butler for free for life I love that man I think Interstellar is one of my favourite 20 favorite. years into being a butler for free I would do, go, I would oh, do it no, was you it know worth what? it it was totally <laughs> worth Mr Nolan if you're listening it would totally be worth it I thought Interstellar was a, a near perfect movie I mean these are these are movies that are profound these are films that have something to say these are films that stay with you long after the credits have rolled and that's what Christopher Nolan delivers you're not listening to this Christopher but if you are I love you and everything that you've done for movies for people like Dan and I who love cinema and we care so passionately about our films I I just wish there were a thousand more of Christopher Nolan's out there I 100% agree with you he's got like one or two films that I wasn't as into but across which ones I wasn't a big fan of Inception I'm not a massive fan of the first and third Batman movies but (laughs) sorry you can't see me wiping a tear from my right eye (laughs) but I adored Interstellar. I adored the middle Batman film. I adore The Prestige. I adore Memento. So his films are either like I absolutely love or they leave me a bit cold. But but they are mostly, they are more on the I absolutely love. Interstellar, I would give the full 10 out of 10. I think it's a beautiful amazing movie. And Dunkirk I really love, by the way. I thought it was a tremendous film. I had one issue with it. It was Harry Styles. And it's not because he was perfectly good in it. He was actually really good in it, right? But it was that he, every time he appeared, I was like, Harry Styles, Harry Styles. One Direction, Harry Styles. Do you this think is the a studio film when we could, Mr. Nolan, with your permission, we, we, we think we could get some extra teenage bums on seats? A hundred percent. I thought he was absolutely fine. Christopher Nolan turns to, what, what, what studio do, do his films? Warners. Warners. He goes to Warners and he says, my next film, it's about Dunkirk. <laughs> yes. And there's not going to be much talking in it. And they're like, okay, we'll green light this, but you have to put either Justin Bieber <laughs> or one of One Direction in it. Because there is no way anyone's going to see this film. I do believe that because he's got something like 50 million Twitter followers. If just an eighth of those people, so true. To, you know. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I don't want to think that it was that calculated. But the fact that he's making such an experimental movie, yeah, is, I mean, is wonderful. It's such a special thing in, in but, the year 2017. But this is the thing. I just want to go back to the Harry Styles thing because it isn't like that he's acting, although that annoys me a bit. It's more that if you're doing a period film. And then you put someone that is so connected to popular culture. 
that's a gimmick in there. Like I felt like the authenticity of the costumes and the look of it and the feel of it. Tom Hardy's face was covered for most of it, so I'm not going. Oh, that's Tom Hardy. And anyway, I'm used to seeing him in films. Kenneth Branagh, he looks like he's from that era. Yes. You know, so does Mark Rylance. Yes, yeah. Kenneth Branagh speaks like he's from the Absolutely. 40s. You know, I get that. But you pop a singer from One Direction. I'm just like, oh, that's him. I'm happy to see him in an indie contemporary film or even a blockbuster or whatever but just I think it, putting him in a period set film just slightly it just marred it ever so slightly for me a- apart from that I thought it was beautiful James come back again please now before we talk to today's guest the lovely Tom Riley we are going to play his first of two ch- choices of songs or music from films this is from the film Magnolia and it is the excellent Amy Mann with Wise Up Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Thanks, Tom, for bringing the vibe down. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought we'd start really, really low. Really low, yeah. uh, a bit depressed. No, I, lo- I actually love that song, and I have to admit, I um, when I first saw Magnolia, which that is from, uh, I uh, I think I even cried a little bit in oh. that bit. Or at least a tear. Yeah, just a, a single tear. I think that was yeah. the plan. Is that... Um, are you a fan of the film? I loved the film, yeah. I love the film. And it's kind of amazing, isn't it? It is. It's incredible. It's and hard it, to watch because it's yeah. such a like onslaught of drama and... And occasional weird out there comedy. Like, my reason for picking that is a really... It's kind of... I mean, starting melancholy and then just segueing straight yeah, into yeah. pretentious. Okay, good. That's um, two of my favourite things. <laughs> Like it, that, mo- I because I'm I uh, I'm looking to direct a little short at the beginning of next year, and mm-hmm. I've been trying to work out a way to do it. This kind of weird version where you are aware that the film that you're watching is like a film, but mm-hmm. you still connect to it. And I felt like with Magnolia and with that scene in particular, you're clearly it's like the audience is complicit in going, "Oh, I'm just watching all the actors sing together," yeah, yeah. and yet somehow I'm moved, and this shouldn't work, but it does. Yeah, well, that's it. the main thing. It shouldn't work, and it does. Yeah. Um, I, when I first saw it, I was almost annoyed. Yeah. I was like, fuck, that's a yeah. good idea. Yeah. That's so cool. I Tom actually, Cruise singing along to Amy Mann, and then a dying man in bed singing yeah. along to a- Amy Mann. Whereas at least you had the response of, like, fuck, that's cool, and I loved it. Whereas yeah. I, like, my best friend, I was like, you've got to see this movie. It's incredible. It just flips all the convention on his head and he watched it and was like that was just fucking stupid I really? hated it what was that about I did didn't you, buy it at all did you defriend him uh, we haven't talked in 10 years <laughs> <laughs> that's because he's not on social media and you can't get hold of yeah, him exactly. um, yeah exactly yeah I love it and I love the, the, the frogs as well that was that was like what the yeah. what is going on this is you know and also it's so sincere as well yeah. so he's managed to do it without being too arch this was um, one of the last times that I think John C. Riley was playing that sort of part, but for serious yeah. reasons. Ever yeah, since yeah. he's played that part, but it's been comic. Yeah, yeah. Do you? Uh, so you you you, you want to direct? I mean, yeah. <laughs> like uh, sell it hard. Come yeah, on, yeah, come on. yeah. There's a there's something that I've been trying Don't to get go off the into ground. Don't go into a pitch with that years, sort of attitude. Uh, and it's it's a, a friend wrote it. We're going to make it. It's going to happen. But yeah, it's it's interesting because it's starting at the beginning of a different version of this career. And when yeah, you're yeah. doing okay on the other side, it's hard to go. Oh, I'll give that job up for three months yeah. while I just like try for something that might not. I know off. all about that. Mm-hmm. I spin way too many plates, too and many sometimes plates. I think, oh shit, if I just focused on one thing, yeah. I'd be much further in my 
career. Yeah. Um, we, you and I have a bizarrely large amount of people in common, yeah. and yet we have never met. This is the first time we met. It Who feels do you want to like begin with? You want? Who do you want to begin with? <laughs> well, I was going to say, this feels like uh, when people set you up on a date, you go, you two would really get <laughs> yeah. on well. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's going pretty good. Yeah. I definitely find you attractive. Thank you so much. <laughs> you live um, up to every single word of your oh, profile. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I have, you know, obviously lit all my pictures really well on my Tinder profile. Um, I would probably start with Drew because we, we could go in um, in sort of order of people that I think you met that I know. Does that make sense? Yes. What I've just with, said? Start with Drew. So Drew, that must be like almost ten years ago that you yeah. were with him. So he's yeah, two thousand eight, yeah. He's a very talented writer, director, doing his first feature in uh, in the US. Just wrapped with uh, Jodie Foster, which mm-hmm. is very exciting. So you worked with him on at the American version of No Heroics. No Heroics. Yeah. Yeah, which was I mean, I don't know how many stories I can tell about that because obviously like Tell some you go tell. hiking <laughs> with Drew and he just gives up everything yeah, about yeah. but like it was it was the ITV2 sitcom yeah. No Heroics which is about superheroes and their psychics and they were kind of terrible yeah. terrible superheroes and, and really, kind of about them when they're not at work yeah when they're not at work of, and yeah. if they were at work their superpowers are just crap yeah. like I played a, a gay SAS British guy whose superpower was I think like reading people's minds but only if they were within five metres or something <laughs> just something like everything with a disclaimer and we did it for and it was such a dark script. And I remember when I was sent to them saying, like, this is on ABC. Like, this can't possibly go yeah. to series. And so we got there on set and we were like, we, would, we were having to change jokes on the fly. Like, on the floor, suddenly someone at Disney going, like, you can't finish with a Princess Diana car crash joke. That has oh to go. Oh, my God. And you'd be like, but you've had this script for Yeah, how did it get through? So we did. We changed it all on the th- And actually, I really liked it. It's really good. I met some... Met Drew on it yeah. and made some really good friends, and it just it never it never went to series. Was that the first time you worked in the US? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that must have been exciting. Yeah, it was great. Isn't it's it amazing? Craft I'm, service, like yeah. that's all it's about. Is you're like, and this is all I can just take these. I can like, eat all day, all day for yeah. free and really good quality. Yeah, I don't understand why on um, British TV shows, even high budget, uh, you know, like big dramas, which. You, you've been on plenty of that in England it's still like food from the 1970s yeah you know and white it, bread with just yeah. a bit of ham in the middle or well the job that I'm sure we'll talk about that I just did had literally their craft service table was a sink mm. like an old rusty sink and on it there was a paint can empty paint can full of biscuits and another <laughs> empty paint can of tea bags and just like milk and no paint no paint <laughs> bloody hell so I couldn't even scrawl my yeah. objections over it <laughs> yeah that is amazing and all the strange school dinners uh, puddings that <laughs> mm-hmm. they still do the mm. spotted dick and semolina yeah yeah uh, it's amazing because I would say that the uh, entertainment industry is one industry where there are a lot of people who are probably more health conscious than a lot, you know, than maybe some other industries. And yet it's still, yeah. it's still this weird, oh uh, yeah, it's bizarre. So we have Drew in common. We also mm-hmm. have, bizarrely, this was bizarre for me. I had my second cousin in who directed you in the fi- in the film um <laughs> you look you look shocked because you're like what is this who's this gonna oh it's bill Stop, isn't it bill clark yeah, yeah. Who I, I didn't know you yeah. were related neither did i how weird i found out like a week or two before that film came out my mum sent me an email she lives out in spain and went your cousin's uh, films out this week and i'm like 
who? Because none of my cousins <laughs> right. are in the film business. Yeah. In fact, I've never had anyone in all my life in the business that I could like ask for favors or advice. Yeah. And suddenly there's Turns this person. Out this yeah. guy's been there yeah. for years. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I was like, what the fuck do you mean? Yeah. And she sent me a link to it. I said, why has no one ever told me this before? And it, it turns out that his side of the family, we kind of drifted apart a bit. So I was got in touch. like serious drama? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, there wasn't. There wasn't. Well, not the, unless, unless people have not told me about some heinous thing that happened. But yeah, so I got him in and we, I went to see the film and... Um, I mean, I wanted to talk to you about that because that was... A, the, I was really impressed by that. I mean, that must have been a tiny budget, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we were... We, you talk about crap craft services, but we were like... Dressing rooms were on the floor of like a kitchen in a military base. Yeah. And yeah, we were just... Everything was on the fly. I, they did... So st- Starfish, for people that haven't heard the episode where I interviewed Bill, um, this is a drama that is about a guy suffering from... Forgive sepsis. me. Or, sepsis, Yeah. yeah. And you're in makeup for like ninety percent of that film, yeah. and I have to say, for a film of such tiny budget, it is an incredible makeup. Well, that was the one thing. Joe Froggett, who also produced it, and me were both like, "You, ha- this has to be. This yeah. bit has to work. Like, even if, if we put money anywhere, it has to be on that because if that doesn't hold up, the whole thing's going to fall to pieces." Yeah, you so, just yeah. you would just tune off straight away. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It was just a bad process. And is, did, do I remember right that you said he even used the original guys like hands and limbs and things for uh, certain yeah, shots for like things. close-ups yeah. actually on Tom the other Tom's uh, you know he's real spinning limbs and stuff and I just had sort of specially made gloves and that I mean I'd, all I kept because this you know this is where I'm not like an actor actor in, in that sense I'm, I'm sort of always thought of myself as sort of winging it a bit is I look at that and I think god that looked like hard work <laughs> yeah but like it's uh, it's so it's rewarding it's rewarding but it's also so difficult for me to make to make any like oh that's prosthetics for six weeks yeah. no I just had to eat my food with a straw because like the real Tom that's his life yeah, for yeah. the last 15 20 years and he's got this incredible optimism with it and he's positive and accepting and so to me go like oh the prosthetics I had yeah. to get up so early so like <laughs> to him nudging, nudging him going yeah. god this is yeah. tough trust me I'll do that bitching about <laughs> other jobs but yeah. this one I have to be like no of course. you know it's of like, course. but also I just I just thought like emotionally like you must have really got into that like that sort of zone of feeling like you, you know yeah. how limited you are every day i was thinking as was what was the mood like on that shoot well i'm i i i learned a long time ago that it just didn't help me to to like be miserable in order to play miserable or to like be angry yeah. if i if i'm going to be a very unpleasant broken person i can't take it home at the end of the night because then i like ruin both my work day and my home life yeah yeah so i have long ago like i try to be as stupid as possible when the prosthetics come off or even during takes it's mm-hmm. like because the mood you are responsible for it if you're at the top of the call sheet of course and like i just would never let i try not to let it i mean maybe on days where they're deeply deeply emotional but mm-hmm. generally I try and shrug it off and did um, the other did everyone else on the crew sort of appreciate that were they into the same spirit of it because I've never really done a drama and I've heard some people say who've done comedy and then they go and do a drama and they're like why is everyone so serious oh, no. why is it so quiet yeah. go, you know yeah. and that, I think that's the that's kind of more what I meant with with when I said it just looked hard like is that just like turning up to this environment that feels so uh, you know yeah it but can, you you're obviously dicking about i tried to dick but like the other the other problem with dicking about is that there are still those actors out there who do want to do that very deep thinking yeah. i'm being this is my moment and so i need to rein that 
instinct to be like, I'm going to be off my chops in between scenes. Yeah, yeah. In because some people are like, no, I'm. How do you gauge of, whether you're acting opposite someone that wants to do their process uh, more seriously? Whether they look at me like I'm a piece of shit <laughs> when I do it the first time, I'm like that. Okay, cool. Okay. Good to know. We now know, know the yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's that's a good way of doing it. I guess there's a bit of risk. Um, did you do any research into and like how mu- how much time did you spend like learning about what? Th- I mean, like was there a you know physical? You know, like you hear about people have to go and learn how to walk with. Yeah, well, I spent a bit of time with Tom, and actually, you can see it in the film a bit, which I don't think I've ever said this before. But like the beginning of the movie, I because I don't have I, I'm faking having. Um, fake legs so mm-hmm. I'm sort of they weren't braces on or anything I'm literally just doing it all walking and I assumed it would be very stiff walking like that so the beginning of the movie you can see I'm doing this kind of like wooden boy walk mm-hmm. and then the more I watched Tom the more I realised that he had this kind of roll which I guess was how his hips had adapted to the way he walked so yeah. my walk actually changes throughout the the whole movie from the beginning to the end because I'm just trying to like well that's how he does it okay and I was changing it slightly because we didn't neither of us got to spend as much time with Tom or his wife Nick as we wanted to because the film was in development Bill must have told you for years yeah, yeah. and like because he was a friend of his or he knew the yeah, guy they, yeah he knows yeah. he worked with Nick on uh, the, the company together they were both in production together right. somewhere. but so we didn't want to meet Tom and Nick until we knew it was like signed and yeah. happening when we both said we'd do it a year before but then there were like budget issues it dropped out it came and went came and went so we didn't want to meet them until but literally it was one of those move like independent movie things where they went we've got the money Are you free next week we'll, yeah. like, we'll shoot it in four weeks and both joe and i'm like okay so we we only met them at the last minute i didn't have enough time to really get oh, to know frightening that i've heard i remember uh, a producer friend of mine telling me that he didn't get the money of the film until the day of rap Ah, I believe <laughs> so it. So they're like, yeah. he was just borrowing money for a week and then borrowing it again and paying off that debt so that he only had a debt for a week. Because he, he was, you know, promised this money, so he just had to keep it keep it coming. I'm yeah. like, how do you not die of stress? Yeah. I have just no lying to people's faces every day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So you've gone from, I mean, that was that was our la- end of last year, mm-hmm. right? And um, this year you're playing someone with... Cancer. It's just as easy as I'm just like going on. (laughs) Yeah, if I can do huge physical transformations, I'll do it. Are you just, you're like, uh, your agent calls, hey, we got this great part. Is he dying? Yeah. No, not interested. Not interested. Do I have to lose all my hair, go on a crash juice diet for four weeks in Bristol? I'm in. Yeah. Um, What what drew you to this? Sam. Yeah. It was was very much okay. The scripts were great. And uh, I think. How's it? Uh, it was originally offered to, to my girlfriend, who's also in it with me. Mm-hmm. It was originally offered to her a few days before. She was like, I've been offered this thing in England. And I read it. I was like, those guys, like Sam Bain and Ian Morris, take mm. it seriously. Don't just go like, oh, it's something on the BBC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she read it and was like, this is really good. And then I got a call two days later about it, completely random. Total coincidence. I mean, <laughs> potentially, it's, I mean, there's a little bit of me in the background. So, like, I wonder if I was a bargaining chip to get her. Yeah, yeah. It's like a little part of me that has always, like, gone, like, yeah, okay. Um, but it was just a great script and so daring and risky. Yeah. And, like, could, there's so many chances for it to, like, fall flat on its face. So, this is called always, Ill Behaviour yeah. and it's on BBC Two at the moment, but also yeah. you can watch the whole thing on BBC Three. No. Nope. Uh, just an iPlayer. Online. iPlayer. Yeah, it's not a BBC it's, Three thing. I don't know why. Well, it's just online. It's yeah, just I, just, online. I think it's for some iPlayer. reason I've just got this BBC Three. I, I love that you really were. You pretty 
you know, it's because vigilant I, about it's because correcting I've me seen that people say it on Twitter and other people yeah. get very angry at them. So I'm now I'm taking on that role. You're taking a lot of anger, aren't you? You're yeah. like, I didn't almost <laughs> die for nothing. I don't know if you do or d- don't die in the end. So keep watching. That's not a spoiler, guys. Um, <clears throat> so can you sort of do a little bit of a like, uh, you know, the summary of what, what the story is of this? Yeah. Can can you? Because I've seen the first episode, which I love, by the way, and there are there's kind of stuff in it that if I was a viewer, I'd kind of like to not have known that. That would have been fun. But are you okay. sort of just pretty much telling everyone the premise? Well, which bits don't you want to know? Uh, <laughs> well, you, we are recording, so that's <laughs> you put me in a bit of a tricky situation here. Oh, give me just uh, a hint. T- towards the end, when they um, make a decision to do something for your character, right? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, that I bit. feel like we're just telling people. That. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, go ahead and tell them. <laughs> you I mean, have, I can, you I have can, zero respect for your audience. What, I'll do a version of it and tell me if I need to add more. Okay, just, go. Like, we'll just softly, yeah. softly. Yeah, I like. So it. it's about. Um, a bunch of friends. You need to do more than that. That's just <laughs> <laughs> one of them uh, is a, a homeopathy obsessed new age uh, guy called mm-hmm. Charlie, played by me, mm-hmm. and he uh, gets cancer, uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is ninety four percent curable with chemotherapy. But he won't do chemotherapy. He wants to heal with juices and and, and like enemas, etc. And then he's got his two best friends. One, Joel, played by Chris Gere, is brilliant, who has just got divorced. And, uh, you meet the character. Yeah. You're not just giving us <laughs> Chris some has just additional got info about very, his personal He was very unhappy, so he decided to do this job <laughs> as a waiter. Uh, no, his character's just got divorced and has come into a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then his other friend, Tess, who is a science fiction writer. And those two people decide that if Charlie isn't going to take the chemotherapy himself, they will take matters into their own hands with the help of an alcoholic oncologist doctor, played by Lizzie Kaplan. Who is also... Her indoors, yeah. Your yeah. <laughs> well, not so indoors. She <laughs> seems to work quite yeah, a lot. she's out a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, mainly yeah, indoors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Him indoors. Yeah. Uh, so um, it's a great cast and uh, s- such a brilliant premise. Again, one of those premises where I'm a bit like, oh, damn. Oh, yeah, I thought of that, but um, but also like a hard sell as a premise. Like it's one of those things that when you hear it, the fact it's got made, you go, "That sounds great." Mm. But I think if you're in the room as a commissioner and someone's going, "So this guy gets cancer," and then you know, I think it's people go, "Oh no, no, oh, yeah," no. and it's a comedy, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from what I know, because I've uh, I know Sam a, a little bit. He, I think he, it did take him a very long time yeah, to I get it made. Five years, yeah. I think. It was originally a movie, and then Ian suggested they break into a. TV yeah, right. Series. I mean, what great credentials you got! The one of the writers from Peep Show and a producer from In Betweeners. I mean, you must have just been. Yep, I'll do it. Yep, I haven't read it. I'll do it. <laughs> I mean, I read it, but yeah, I was yeah. initially I was like, I will read it because it's them. Yeah, There's yeah. no way this will be bad. And also, like, because it's funny when you get to that point in your career, like Sam and Ian have. Like even things in a script that might make you go, oh, I don't know. If you know that they're behind you, like, oh, I'll stick with this, I'll stick with this. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if it had come from a fresh writer, I might have been less likely to take a gamble on it. Right, so even at, like two pages towards the end, I'll, I'll stick with it. <laughs> something, something could happen. Stick with it. <laughs> like maybe in the next series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you, it feels like a bit of an anti-homeopathy show in a way. Bit of a, bit of a, uh, a, a slight on people that believe in alternative therapies would you say it doesn't come off well is it, all I'm saying it, it doesn't come off well uh, <laughs> where I think, do you stand on that because I'm actually quite into a bit of alternative or let's say 
Eastern yeah, medicine. I would say, as a, as, as it, someone says in the show, as a side order to the main dish of yeah. chemotherapy, absolutely. Yeah, Do everything yeah. you can to keep your body you know, as fighting fit as it can be, but some things can't be beaten well, by... Did you, you know, Steve, um, by what? I think you're being <laughs> terribly <laughs> racist there. I, um, I, I, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I thought that uh, uh, there was a little bit of the Steve, Steve Jobs story. Have you, do you, do you know about this? Which one? Which he, part? Because he was so, um, I guess, uh, arrogant is probably the, the, the best use of word. Um, he was, he had so much self-belief that when he got cancer, he genuinely believed, because everything he'd ever wanted and thought of had come true in his life, mm. that he could beat this without traditional medicine, or, you know, not traditional, actually, Western medicine. And he did everything yeah. except for, like, chemotherapy or whatever, and he didn't beat it. And in yeah. the very last stages, he ended up, uh, he decided, look, I better do chemotherapy, but by that point, it was, it was too, too late. late. Is that true? Well, according to the documentary about Steve Jobs I watched, right. that was wow. that's what they said. God, but, okay. you know, yeah. someone better fact check that just in <laughs> case uh, it's wrong. But uh, I do think there is, I think that's what you just said, you know, that little thing of like, keep yourself healthy, but also, you know, blitz the fucker. Yeah, yeah, just, of, do, do, yeah. just listen to the doctors. Because we also went to, we met a bunch of people in the NHS and it's surprising how many of these oncologist said to us this isn't unusual this happens a lot yeah. that people come in and say no no I don't want chemotherapy I don't believe in that type of medicine I want natural medicine and doctors sit there and go okay we have to respect your wishes but knowing that this we just we have the facts we have the statistics this isn't what's best for you there's yeah. nothing we can do I, I would I would argue that there's probably more we've gone into a sort of weird <laughs> med medical element of the show uh, <laughs> but I would argue that there was it was probably more to do with what you know in terms of health and uh you know what you put in your body and and clean living and all that is more to do with preventing getting it in the first place yeah. than fixing it yeah. after the fact yeah, do you just know what keeping I mean? the engine tuned yeah. up and come nice. on you live in la a lot you know yeah. it's all about the juices and the kale yeah and but the... also that shit changes on a weekly basis yeah. you like, never know what's suddenly like what you mean kale gives you <laughs> diabetes yeah. and you pass the thing what's the thing uh, the other uh, the, sh the a sweat lodge yeah, where you go in and you get wrapped in an infrared sleeping bag and watch Netflix for an hour while you sweat. I love the sound of that. I mean, it's like, and apparently you burn eight hundred calories. So everyone's like, I'm in. I mean, yeah. well, I don't go to the gym and I just like get in a sleeping bag and watch This Is Us for an hour. <laughs> like, it's perfect. <laughs> what kind of sleeping bag? And have they washed it? That's uh, all if I they smell know. clean. I yeah. mean, I've, what I'm saying You've is, I've done it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you there? You see, you weren't going to admit to it, and. Um, so uh, that's that's on at the moment, not on BBC Three. Um, did you, did you? I mean, after that and after Starfish, are you just like, please, can I just have healthy, upbeat? I mean, he is actually quite upbeat character. Yeah, he's pretty um, cheery compared to the rest. You're of like, them. let's just know. I just want all singing, all dancing characters for the next couple of years. Or are you like, what's next? I want to be someone who is actually already dead. I mean, I mean I'm how a, far can you go? I'm my own worst enemy because I do. I, go, I finish a job like that and I'm like, the next job, just a guy who sits down. That would be nice yeah. in the sunshine. And then after about three months, I get just get bored. And I'm like, I have yeah. to do something that like makes me feel like I've... Have you ever made different. that mistake uh, in a scene when you're f about to film and you're blocking it with the director 
and you're so tired because you know the hours are long and you're like just oh i just haven't got the energy today i know i'll i'll say that my character should be sitting this in this yeah and they go okay fine so you're sitting in that scene but then what happens is because you're sat there for so long you're just falling asleep. Yeah. You've just got no energy. Yeah. Or uh, you just, you play the entire scene, which could be quite a high octane scene, yeah. just like this. Yeah. Terrible news about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. You and won the lottery. Great. In between words, your belly rumbles because <laughs> yeah, you're so hungry. Exactly. <laughs> Happens all the time. Uh, so uh, the other person, of course, that we, mm-hmm. well, there must be more than this, but um, the person I'm thinking of is uh, Laura, right? Laura Haddock, yeah. who obviously I was in a show with for yeah. many years, and you did, ha- you were in uh, Da Vinci's Demons? Da Vinci's Demons, da Vinci's for Demons. three series, four years. Yeah, That's pretty good going. And that, was that a big show? <laughs> I, think, I mean that in the most in, no. in not an unflattering way because there are so many shows out there now you don't know whether something how big a show can no, be sometimes. I think that's the fairest way to describe it really? it's like someone to say is that a big show because to all intents and purposes yes in that the budget was huge yeah it was gigantic around the world um and we would go to Portugal and we go to Brazil and we'd have people like screaming our names and then we'd yeah. come back here and we would go is that, is that a big show? <laughs> um, and I and I get it. Like it was, it, it when we were on set. It's funny you talk about the craft service. It felt like an American show. Everything was, it was for an American network, and it had very the credentials of the people behind it was were, it was very solid. And we really thought we were going to make something huge. Mm. And then, as the years went on, the budget got bigger, which it does in American TV rather than here when you have a success and they go, can you do it again but cheaper? Um, And yet it was like just not, (laughs) there's no publicity over here, nothing. So it was a really sort of strange beast to be involved in. I always, it's it's sort of the Bush effect and I mean the band, not the, um, either the president or the hedge or whatever else. It's, I always remember that Bush, the band was slightly annoyed that they were absolutely ginormous in America yeah. but no one really gave a shit in yeah. the UK yeah. you, there's still that thing because like America if you crack America you're, done. you're yeah. sorted yeah. but yet you kind of want to crack your home town or yeah. country don't you you sort yeah. of like when you make something you want everyone where you yeah. grew up to see it don't you so yeah like and, it, and, it, and it, I can't really put the blame at anyone it's not the publicist's fault it's not anyone's fault it's just people Game of Thrones was happening at the same time right. we happened to be on Fox here which wasn't as watched as most other networks so it was just like unfortunate really. was it critically well received it was mixed yeah. I mean yeah like there were some people who loved it especially that first series and then you know it just it was it was an interesting one yeah <laughs> I loved it. I've made some of my best friends on it. Yeah. I'm really proud of it. And you shot that up in Wales, right? Swansea. Yeah. Swansea. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it weird that these these shows like that get made in in Swan? There's so many things. Like, so you've done a Doctor Who, right? Yeah, yeah. So you've you've done a Doctor Who. Um, has that is that something you get sort of asked about, or, or um, uh, yeah. sort of? people come up to you more than other things you've done i mean i looked very i was long blonde hair blonde beard and it looked very different are you sure you were in it (laughs) yeah listen we will find out the truth you can't just blag this i mean i was basically me playing carrie always playing uh errol flynn as robin hood um so but it was yeah i mean certainly more male like that's what happened you get a lot more letters a lot more sort of Oh, I thought you meant just all More men. male attention. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very much subject to the male gaze. Yeah, well, this blonde hair and blonde beard does sound very fetching. Yeah. 
Um, so, you, what, actual letters? Do people still oh, do yeah, that? People yeah, people still send it. But I, I think letters and photos and that, that stuff yeah. really, that doubles when you do a doctor. Triples, quadruples, more than I've ever had. It was nuts. Yeah. We, try, we were trying to, we had Ingrid Oliver in before, and we were Lovely trying to work Ingrid. out uh, what the, um, the kind of verb for um, sort of, well, what, what was it we were trying to, she's, speak to me. Hoovian, we were saying. Oh, is Hoovian. there a word like for being? I can't even remember the context. Yeah, there's a <laughs> word for it. being a yeah. fan. Yeah, and Ingrid's been in like more than one. She's episode. been in a She's lot. She's been yeah. in loads. Like. Um, uh, and you, you also did a brilliant episode of Inside Number Nine. So you get, you've got your cult quota sorted as well, haven't you? That was that. That yeah. that is something I can say without. That's great. That yeah. episode of TV. That I think we were we knew when I when I read it initially. I just I remember I just finished filming. Literally finished ten minutes before the final season of or the second season of Da Vinci, and I was in the car going back to London. And I got the offer. Do you want to do this episode of Inside? And I'm like, I didn't read it. I was like, I love that show absolutely. Yeah. And then when I got home and read it, I was like, and this is one of the greatest things. Yeah, I had, like yeah. goosebumps from reading it. Was it with Sheridan? Sheridan. Sheridan. Yeah. 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 yeah that was pretty amazing. I mean. What, I just love how much they're pushing. I mean, I don't know what you call it because it's something other than comedy or drama, mm. or but like just so out there. And the fact that they keep coming up with these I ideas, know. I don't know how they do it. No. It's Again, another another thing where I'm like, fuck, because you know, <laughs> I'm a very generous spirited person. You know, yeah. I, I see I just, things and yeah. I'm very loving about it. But inside, um, just a little bit of hate, always. That's yeah. part of me dies. Now, actually, I've been pretty. good. I started meditation, by the way, Tom. How's it been? It's I'm literally early days, right? But I already feel different. Are you doing it with an app or with a, hu- a human? Um, I'm sort of doing it on my own, actually. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've taken classes. I've right. actually paid to take classes. Okay. Because uh, I felt like I'll be accountable. There'll be an investment. I'll be like, this fuckers, charge yeah. me loads of money just yeah. to do something I could have done for free on the internet yeah, yeah. but I really feel like it's it's the thing that got me into it otherwise I would have just kept putting it off or yeah. it's good do you do any any I, I mean I do yeah I try a little bit of mindfulness yeah which I think is I mean I was speaking to Sam Bain about this who was like basically someone has with mindfulness has monetized Buddhism which is like basically against um, what Buddhism <laughs> is yeah but it, it's it's that idea of just like going, okay, I'm here. Because, you know, we live in this world, and I'm sure you're the same with Twitter and Instagram, where you constantly need a hit of like dopamine Something, or whatever. Yeah. Like, what's happening now? What's going on in the news? Everything, it's constant. There's always somewhere else to be, no matter where you are. So, like, being able to go, I'm just going to be with me for a bit. Nice. Absolutely agree. Uh, what I find weird about this hit of dopamine thing is it's, it, it's not, we're not always after something that's actually good. No. Like, you understand why someone's addicted to alcohol or drugs because. The initial hit is good, but often when I'm searching for something online, it's because what I read will annoy me yeah. <laughs> or upset me. So it's like, yeah. where's the fun in any of this? I and yet I'm addicted to it. It's like searching for reviews of your own stuff. Yeah. Like you're either going to get a spike of I'm great or like ah, some everyone hates me. And like yet still you do it just for that feeling yeah. of like I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm uh, fully. F- I'm, I, next time we meet, which you know who knows when that will be, I'll be in robes. <laughs> I'll have a completely bald head. Shave it. Yeah, yep. definitely. Shave the head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're, so you're in a relationship with an actress, a very, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's fair to say, a very successful actress. Uh, How do yep. you find that, being two people in a relationship? Because uh, I'm in a relationship with someone who's an actress and a writer and in the arts. And yeah. God, it gets tough sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it, we w- what we have done, and we both came into it with very open eyes, which is that feeling of like, okay, we've both been in relationships before that have been affected by the industry. What are the things we need to do, and what do we not need to do? Let's be careful in this stuff. Let's be careful, like when wow. we take jobs, how far away are they? How far do you have to be apart from each other? Because and was there a lawyer there to deal uh, with all the? Yes, <laughs> we had, yeah, we had a third party just yeah, to uh, witness um, it all. But no, it was all just like it was just a very kind of adult grown up mid-30s conversation about like okay how can we make this work in a way that like and do you point to the rules whenever you sort of find yourselves arguing about (laughs) something I believe you said this (laughs) do you remember at the beginning (laughs) um, no it was uh, no it's been it's been great also we've been very lucky thus far in that neither of us have had a job at the same time that's so great that we have to go like I'm going to be in Alaska you're going to be in New Zealand but we've both got to do this so, yeah. but it's always been a case of like oh that job's great for you and I don't have anything right now that's as exciting for me so I can come with you or yeah. like be around you know I actually saw um, your wedding invitation to Drew on the wall of his kitchen oh yeah yeah I was like, when am I ever going to meet this guy? I there don't even go. believe he exists. Drew's not even coming, but he keeps it up. What is he thinking? <laughs> Isn't he? Yeah, I get what Drew's doing. Uh, Can't make it, but I'll keep that on the yeah. wall. Just in case he pops around, <laughs> yeah. he'll think I'm, I'm, I still care. Yeah. Uh, so um, what is, uh, I, hate, I sort of hate this question, because whenever I'm interviewed about stuff, I always think, why does it have to be about what's next? But mm-hmm. what is next? <laughs> um, well, I have been, I've had a really interesting year of like, I've been so, I've been very adamant that I didn't want to get caught up in a series again unless I loved it. It's like a long-term series. Yeah, because I was going to, actually, I was going to ask you about this show that I, ha- I, ha- I haven't seen and I love the look of it. I certainly love the cast and there's the collection on Amazon. Yeah. Now, can what, what what was that show? That was on Amazon, as you say. It was by the guy who directed and created Pretty Little Lies and Desperate Housewives yeah. and stuff. It's about fashion in the fifties, forties, just post Second World War in Paris. Richard Coyle and um, like Michelle Gomez and this yeah. and Mamie Gum, incredible cast. Yeah, um, and we uh, I don't think we're doing it again. <laughs> I think oh, it's done. Yeah. When did you do it? Uh, we did it last, I think, beginning of last year. I'm not yeah. even sure now. When did you, where did in you Swansea? Shoot in Swansea, literally the same studios I oh shot the Vinci. So, in. how many things have you shot in Wales? Yeah, so many. Let's go through them. Doctor Who. Yeah. All the seasons of Da Vinci's. Yeah. The collection. Uh, I think I did a movie a long time ago that was on location there. I basically I'm Welsh and the, and the um, you did that shot that video for the Welsh tourist board I did yeah, yeah. I am actually at the Cardiff airport <laughs> genuinely when it says welcome to Wales it's me no. dressed as Da Vinci's what you're not really that's right I really are you am. serious like on a horseback going welcome to Wales it's um, I can't tell if you're joking <laughs> I know I know that's the that's the thing about it like I can't even tell if I'm joking but it's true it is actually it true it feels like a joke but oh it's true. my god I love this because they're that proud of you in particular or the show or I the think, people filming I think people filming yeah I yeah. don't think they're that proud <laughs> of me uh, with my Irish surname being a Welshman but I think like yeah they are I, think I love your name are you, you're, are you, I, th- I was thinking about this on the way here I was thinking if you had called yourself Thomas Riley mm-hmm. you would have sounded um, pretentious mm-hmm. no no you would have sounded like someone who had travelled to America in the 1600s or something or <laughs> yeah. there's something very um, sort of pioneer like yeah. yeah I would guess it because it sounds like Walter Riley or something but Thomas Riley it just mm. I, th- I think you'd be getting um, a lot of Benedict Cumberbatch's work if you'd yeah. gone with Thomas. That's my mistake. Yeah. You, you don't sound... I don't sound like I'm from Eton. No. 
No. Where, Ma- are, where are you from? Where I'm did you from grow up? Maidstone. Yeah. Do you know Maidstone? I know Maidstone. Well, not very well, but my mum ran a pub um, in a place called Yulding. Yeah. Yeah. I know Yulding, for yeah. like 15 years. So I grew up in the sort of very suburbs of southeast London and Kent. Right. Okay. And then they moved out when I was like 18 and got a pub in, in that part. So I know Kent. Near Maidstone, the town of flowers. Wow. That's what they call it. Yeah. We had uh, a giant <laughs> sheep. Made of made of flowers in the when center. you say we oh the town made right, in the say. in the center of the town square and it was uh, unveiled by Boyzone and that was oh that my was the, god yeah that was, the was best thing that we, we, as a four piece or five oh I can't remember if Stephen was still there yeah maybe a four piece okay that's got a bit depressing um, okay <laughs> so um, oh yeah I th- <laughs> for some reason in my head I thought he left oh no yeah. <laughs> Okay, so um, <laughs> this is the weirdest segue I've ever done. Uh, but your guilty pleasures. So we oh, ask, yeah. we ask all our guests to. Thanks for bringing this. <laughs> we ask all our guests to pick a, a guilty pleasure just to chat about. Um, now you know, you, obviously, this represents something that you uh, you recognise as a bit naff, or mm-hmm. or maybe you think it's great and it's underrated. And I know that all, you've probably got ta- uh, wonderful taste uh, usually, but you picked quite a lot of guilty pleasures like about five or six like <laughs> yeah but some of them are more guilty than others i think i was I trying mean, to you're do catholic the- right because you seem to have a lot of guilt. <laughs> shame yeah. <laughs> yeah um no like some of them i think i was probably trying to take the sting out of quite how guilty the other ones were yeah well i was quite surprised so um my producer natalie was saying well what are we gonna which one are you gonna go with because we have to pick one but i can't not mention them all so <laughs> you you went TV wise, yeah. this was the slightly surprising one. So you picked the Real Housewives uh, of is it of of, of wherever of Beverly Hills, you love of them all. Orange County, of yeah. New York. Okay, love well, is strong. All right, but you that is that we can understand why that's a guilty pleasure. Yeah, right. It's obvious. You yeah. should be deeply ashamed. Absolutely. But I get why it's probably highly entertaining. But yeah. you also picked Rick and Morty. Not really a guilty pleasure. Just wanted to mention how much I liked it. <laughs> oh, cunning! I like it. You, you knew what we would think. We'd think, why is he? Why is he that? doing that? But we but should mention yeah. that actually he does have taste okay. as well to offset oh, the. Oh, I see. Okay. I wondered whether you thought this is a terrible show, but I love it. No, it's yeah. wonderful. Okay, good. All right. And then, of course, film-wise, you picked the John Wick. Yeah, um, do you think anthology? that counts as a guilty pleasure? Well, I don't know because we live in an age where there's so much sort of irony for what we like and in a way it kind of doesn't feel it's definitely not housewives guilt yeah. is it but no. um it's also not like high art is it no i mean I've, i'm ashamed to say this because i sort of present a show about film and television but i've not seen either john Wick. Not? no because i just ugh, i don't know action very rarely do action films um like entertain me anymore yeah and i think that's why i like this one yeah because what is it you like about it I just like uh, the fact it's all about a man taking revenge for someone killing his dog. And as someone who owns a dog, <laughs> I, I can completely understand. I and would it, go it, on a, a killing spree. Would you? For buns. Would you? Yeah. That's, your, that's the dog's name. Not yeah. that you don't mean you get payment in buns. In buns yeah. <laughs> I'll kill for buns. buns. Cinnamon buns. What do you got? Stick, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stick them in my dressing room and I'm going to kill. Um, what's, 
is it played like properly serious and earnestly even though it's revenge for his dog and uh, no i think there is th- that's what my, for me makes it a slight guilty pleasure is that they're winking at the camera ever so slightly but not enough mm-hmm. it's 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 an, it's earnest enough while at the same time being like this is a bit stupid and i hear the action in it is phenomenal extraordinary yeah, yeah. Beautiful, balletic you <laughs> <laughs> i am I'm going to go and watch it tonight, I think. You should, both. That is, well, you know, I'll promise the first one. Let's see how I get on. And the other film you picked was, or the two films, see, this is how many you are you are well, riddled one was, with one, guilt, aren't you? <laughs> one was more like a genre. Yeah. You know. well, like, so The Planes, Trains and, and Parenthood. Parenthood, see, that kind of Steve Martin, 90, 80s, 90s comedy. Yeah, see, I think here at Screen Talk Towers, which is something is I've never can... said, <laughs> and I'm already hating myself for that, uh, is that was a guilty pleasure saying that? Um, y- I think that's not a guilty pleasure. No, probably Partly not. because I feel like comedy is in such a weird place on, in film, especially nowadays. Yeah. That you know, I just look back on that probably with rose tinted glasses and think, oh, I wish they'd make something as good as Planes, Trains. I think you're right. Yeah, I think so, I just wanted to say that too. You were wrong. You <laughs> fucked up with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I just long for optimism in cinema again. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's why I like Wonder Woman. Did you? Yeah, yeah the first two thirds, yeah. I could see you in that. As Gal Gadot as yeah. well, thank you. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what it is. It's the shapely pins. I think shave the beard but get the old uh, blonde hair back from yeah. the Robin Hood <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, she, uh, she's, um, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I'm looking forward I just to got, it. Uh, I've got a, well, shall I just carry on with this sentence to see where yeah. it goes? Yeah, just test I've said waters. she's, but I don't know the rest of the sentence. She's, um... She's really good in that film. She is. Yeah. Yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah. Very charming. Um, have you seen anything this year that you particularly... Uh, the Big Sick. Yeah, enjoyed I that. loved. Yeah. I think I was affected by the hype a little bit, yeah. but I still really enjoyed it. I think if I knew nothing about it, I would have gone, fuck, that was a brilliant film. Yeah, but, I think that's true. Um, War of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, man, I can't wait to see that. It's great. Yeah. It's I, great. Th- that's probably my favourite sort of popcorn franchise it's, you know, it's weighty, you know, it's it feels so a bit good. weighty. It and it also, the, what I love about this one is it feels very much like an end to the trilogy. It's like, and that's our franchise done. We don't yeah. need to leave it. It's just, it's you know, you're done. completely and utterly fooled if you think that that's <laughs> yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, there'll be another yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. We're never going to remake this yeah. ever again. Yeah. 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 No. Well, there's one me, guy in the saying. cinema going, well, that's terribly <laughs> admirable of them, isn't it? To like, <laughs> you know, go, well, there's all that money we could make, but no, this needs to be a trilogy. Yeah. I like that. Ah, they've played me. <laughs> Sorry to break Those computer to monkeys played me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they played me. I was, I was teary in the second one. Yeah. I'm like, this is a computer-generated monkey, yeah. and I'm upset. Mm, gets it. Wow, Circus is good. Right, okay, so, um, look, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you and meeting you, actually. Yeah, you um, too. Let's... Um, Let's do this again in a few years' time, and sure. um, we'll talk about the other, uh, the second lot of uh, Apes trilogy <laughs> uh, that they'll make inevitably. Um, let's play out with your second choice of songs. This is "Happy Heart" by Andy Williams. Why'd you pick this? This is a song from the End of Shallow Grave. Right. So where? <laughs> why did you pause and smoke then? Because <laughs> I was trying to work out exactly why I picked it. I suddenly okay. realised I'm not sure. You, you haven't thought about it. You but just went with a gut feeling, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. I think because I remember it, it's 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 that same thing that I was talking about before of like it being it's a happy ending, 
but f- entirely for the audience, not yeah. for any of the characters. So it, if the film would end so differently with a different song, where everything goes to shit, they've like ruined their lives, and it could fade out some bleak to that Amy Mann song, could fade out to that at the yeah. end. But instead, Danny Ball, in this very theatrical way, goes the other direction. It's like, this is all crazy and life's awful. And it's like for the audience to go, this is, I love this. Okay, I love the fact I've watched this. Yeah. Um, and I kind of admired the, it. Is the last shot where it's Ewan McGregor with the knife in the floorboard going yeah. through his shoulder? And it pans, and then he smiles, and it pans down, and the it, money's under the. It pans down, the money's under the thing, and then it cuts to oh, what's the name of the actress? Kerry Kerry Fox? Fox, yeah, in yeah. the car, opening the bag and realizing she's been had, yeah. and she's like screaming and crying, and yeah. then happy heart plays over her crying, which is such a crying. weird juxtaposition of image oh, and oh. audio. No, I'm sorry, but what an amazing ending to a film, right? Um, well, what a brilliant choice. Thank you, Tom. Good luck with the rest of Ill Behaviour. Um, you're doing it live as well, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're doing a In, stage reading. I'm going to yeah. shave my head halfway through. Good, good. Um, and yes, good luck with, uh, with the rest of um, your career in Wales. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes.